0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: Johnny Carson once interviewed Betty Davis and asked if she had any advice for young stylets wanting to get ahead in Hollywood. She suggested Take Fountain. Fountain Avenue runs parallel to Santa Monica and Sunset Boulevards in Hollywood and is often used to avoid the heavier traffic. And isn't that what we're all after? A smooth run, no holdups, not only in traffic, but also in life. How do people handle those holdups, the rejections? How do they create a life in the entertainment capital of the world? How do they identify and express their uniqueness In a place where hundreds of thousands are hoping to do the same. Welcome to Take Fountain. Compelling stories from passionate people who've made it, are making it in Hollywood. Writers, comedians, actors, filmmakers. I'll talk to anyone with a story to tell.
0: Welcome to Take Fountain, a podcast of passionate people working on their dreams. Compelling stories from Hollywood. Your host, Ella James.
1: I thank you so much, James Eckhouse. You
0: are quite welcome, Ella And James. thank
1: you for the coffee.
0: Oh, very which good.
1: is actually putting hairs on my chest as you, we speak. That's
0: what it's supposed to do. Do you right? like it
1: strong like that? I,
0: I do, okay. yes. Um, I'm not much of a coffee drinker anymore, though. That's the thing. I'm a tea drinker because my sister has a tea company. She and her husband ex, uh, import all this beautiful, raw... Organic Chinese tea from up in the hills. He goes once a year. It's called Silk Road teas, and uh, it's it's pretty amazing. It's all pure, uncut, black, white, green, pu'er. You know, it's like the real deal. Where do we get it? Oh, well, you could go online to SilkRoadTeas.com. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're up in, uh, up north of San Francisco, just a tiny little place that they come in. But they, they, you know, they sell to lots of high-end restaurants and stuff like that. But yeah. anyway, so I had to stop drinking coffee, of course, because she was not going to have it anymore. She said, yeah. you have to drink our tea. So that's what I do.
1: I drink Once it. you've had... Do you know the brand Macona? No. So mm-hmm. Makona is an instant coffee. All right, and um, and it's a very high quality instant coffee, but I was speaking to somebody back in Australia, as I do on the phone, yeah,
0: um,
1: at an organisation where I had to get some details. I think it was my superannuation, and I had to get some details from. Her. And she said, "Oh, she said, oh, American coffee, how do you stand it? Yeah. You know that Kona, they brew it and they leave it there for days. It's so awful. Whenever my husband and I travel, we always take a jar of Makona. <laughs> and it really, it's like." It, it people are coffee snobs yeah. do you know
0: what i mean i know i used to be a coffee snob did you oh my god yes i had to you know grind it and brew it and do the whole thing and drip and, and go down and get the beans down in the, you know we were in new york and it was always at this at the yeah. empire coffee which everybody knows was down on i don't know what it was 10th avenue and 42nd street this tiny little hole in the wall place which was had the best coffee that they imported you know just you know all these beans yeah. back when we started doing that kind of stuff thank god we stopped anyway but the,
1: but the only thing people ever say after going to that amount of trouble to make the coffee is oh that was good it's <laughs> you know that? part of the ritual it, a... it's ritualistic it's i get you
0: and now the tea is that
1: i um i get aussies visiting and i show them around and the question i always get from the back seat of my prius because there's normally lots of people in the car um <laughs> tough, just dude. like five lady bowlers in a golden hole
0: uh, and, uh, okay
1: and they're like um oh ella where can we get a good coffee and and I'm like, and look, there's Carrie Fisher's house and there's <laughs> Madonna's old house. And, like, I'm showing them all of these fabulous things and here's Paramount Studios and they're like, oh, yes, but, you know, we need a coffee. Oh, I want to go coffee. home and have a decent coffee. And all I'm right. like, well, off you go then, you know. <laughs> um, so great start. Um, I really appreciate you taking time out of such an incredibly busy schedule um, because you are not only uh, a renowned television and film actor you're also a stage actor and a theater director and a television and film director and a uh, masterclass coach and a voiceover actor what else have i missed
0: a denizen of home depot now if you come to aisle six I can tell you anything you need to do about plumbing or electricity, because that's really what I do the most of is hang out in Home Depot. The rest is kind of subsidiary
1: to that. Are you one of those guys that thinks that he can fix things, but can't?
0: No, I'm the other way around. I'm one of those guys who fixes everything. I built, I just redid the entire, this whole garage. I put in the new ceiling. I did all the work on our house. We bought it, it was a tear down house. And I put in two bathrooms, did the floors did the bathrooms, did, you know, uh, it was, you know, we put, so I, I'm insane that way. I don't know why a Jew is doing all of his work, because everybody says, you're a Jew, and you do carpentry? That's like, no, that's not true. You know, except for that one guy a long time ago, who got crucified for it. So, um, yeah, it's a complete anomaly, but I, I, I grew up, my father was really good. He was an engineer, and he was good at carpentry, and we used to do things together all the time. And We both had no idea what we were doing but we decided that we would figure it out and my poor mom you know the sink would be leaking and if we had hired a plumber we probably could have had it fixed in about an hour so two or three days later still tools all over the place my dad and i covered in in grime and grease my mother saying you know i'd really like to have our sink back there and i'm we're like we'll get it fixed barbara we'll get it fixed and you know so it, it 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 grew in me this thing that. I can't stand to have somebody else fix something if I think I can do it. So yes, I sometimes don't know what the hell I'm doing, um, but I'll figure it out and I'll learn and I'll make 12 trips to Home Depot until I get the right stuff and, and then I'll do it.
1: There's a business <laughs> in Australia that has the tagline. I think it's called Hire a Hubby. It's one of those franchise things. Mm. But it, the tagline is on the side of the, their trucks, we fix what your husband tried to. <laughs> So you must have friends like that. You know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anyway,
0: no. So I mean, I'm I'm very strange that way. But I do, I do, I do love it. I love, I love doing all that kind of stuff.
1: But this is from the this is from the man who, you know, you're best known to an Australian audience as the dad on Beverly Hills 90210. That show, yes, that show. That show. Yeah. For now, it ran for eight seasons, but you weren't on.
0: Ran for ten. I was it? on for five. Um, they went off to college. Uh, parents weren't very important anymore. They shipped us off to Hong Kong. Um, as far as we know, they're being held in a prison there. Um Jason who played my son has always said, You know what? Dude, what we're gonna do an episode where we're gonna we're gonna helicopter in I and and, and Luke and I and we're gonna rescue you from the prison and I'm like Dude, that's great. Let's let's do that episode. We find out that you know Cindy's been, you know, sent off as a sex slave, and I'm working somewhere, or but you know I've been put in some dank prison and as a political something. Anyway, no, <clears throat> no, we did get put off. I just you know uh, I have to make this stuff up. You're riffing. I'm riffing. Yeah, uh, we did go out. Yeah, we went on, We we yeah. So after five seasons, uh, you know they they went on to college, and it wasn't there. You know I I was in a few shows after that but
1: mm. but you directed three episodes I directed
0: then. three episodes which was the most fun that was really the best time I had on the show
1: where I... did you learn to direct
0: well so growing up in the theater you know in New York had a theater company um with a my best best friend Paul and my wife Kelleher. uh we started off by putting all of Joyce's Dubliners on stage can you believe that without changing a word of the text except for the dead which was the movie was done you know the houston movie but um and we we it was sort of performance art-ish kind of it was very large stuff but so we um i started directing there and then
1: but directing theater i mean that's directing performance uh,
0: absolutely but you know then directing television direct it it was a it was interesting moving into it actually because aaron spelling god love him was very worried that the show would turn into 30-something, which you may know. 30-something was a show. Edswick, <clears throat> Marshall Horskowitz put it on. Stories about that. That was my first gig actually out here. And um, all the guys directed on the show. Mm-hmm. Kenny Olin directed on it and, and, and uh, Tim Busfield and Melanie Marin, and on and on and on. And they all became directors because Ed was so generous that way. So uh, when I had expressed interest in directing, uh, Aaron said, I don't want it to be a 30-something. And I was like, I I don't think Jenny Garth and all these people are going to want to direct. And he'd already given Jason a shot at directing. So I had to kind of prove myself. So I, I actually went and took a lot of classes at UCLA on directing cinema, you know, directing film, uh, I studied with another teacher. I showed them what I could do. I mean, I had to really proved myself. I actually had a, a, you know, quote unquote, observe, even though I was on the show, but I would do episodes where I would just follow the director around for the entire time, you know, from start to finish from prep and so on. And I, you know, I knew I was ready to do it. And <clears throat> one t- um, my voice. Yes. Apologies. Um, I'm sitting in the dressing room and they walk up to me. You know, I am getting you know made up and fluffed and fluffed, and uh, they say a director's fallen out. Would you want to start in three days? And my my stomach kind of went into my throat because I thought three days to prep you usually get seven. You yeah. know. But, of course, I know the show and all that. But still, I was thinking, ah, my first directing gig. And I just went, ah. Uh, I've always wanted to
1: do it, but. Uh. Yeah. yeah but I, <laughs> I said, yes, yes, I'll do it.
0: Yeah. And that's how I started. So, um but, you know, I'd already, I, and it, I'd, by that time I'd been on this, it was my third year. So I'd been on that set for three years. So the crew was, they were unbelievable, as you can imagine. That's why people do direct on the shows that they're on, because mm. it's its a piece of cake, you know.
1: And the thing is, although, there's a certain leadership that comes with directing and, and show running. Um, th- really it's such a team, isn't it? It's
0: a, it, it, you have to, well, that's why the theater does help because you've got to learn to be collaborative, mm. collaborative. Um, absolutely. Um, it's, it's essential, you know, and particularly when you're a director for hire and you're not the showrunner, you know, as I've done on other shows and, um, y- you've got to know that you've got to, take in everybody's word at the casting session you know you've got the producers there you've got the network sometimes you know blah 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 it's if if you're not flexible that way it's tough it's tough sometimes although it's happened more and more but when film directors started coming in and directing on for television I would talk to producers all the time they'd say "Ugh, we've got so-and-so big well-known film director who wants to direct on television and I'm telling him you're not going to want to do it and they're like no no that's what I want to do They have a horrible time. Not anymore. I mean, I think now people go back and forth. But it was sometimes, I will say sometimes, difficult for sort of an autocratic film director who's expected. He he gets approval of the script. He gets approval of everything. He runs the whole show. Plus, if he runs over a little bit, you know, okay. So they three, four pages a day. You have such a tight schedule. You have 12 hours to shoot, usually nine pages, eight pages, nine pages. You got to get it done in eight days or you're sunk Mm. and, and they're not going to go over to some shows. Yes. They're legendary. You know, I'm sure game of Thrones or whatever, you know, they take, they'll take the time that they want to take, but by and large, by and large procedurals, most of the episodics, you've got to follow that 12 hour rule and you've got seven days to prep. So that being said, you really rely on your DP, you rely on your set designer, you rely on, on your casting director, on your, your locations manager, all those people you've got to be able to, um, coalesce and and make your team you know
1: do you produce as well
0: not 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 anything large not anything in a big big way Mm -hmm. no I mean I'm working on a project right now with um some of my students which is really fun we're creating a film which it just kind of grew organically out of the class and uh a bunch of them said you know we love working with each other we've been together for two years we need to create some material and I was like, sure. So I've been donating. I mean, this has all been free for all of us. Um, working with Meisner and like I love and, and improv, we've developed the characters. It's around an event that actually happened in my life, and um, so it's it's kind of Robert Altman esque. I would say it's it's eight characters with stories that kind of all interlock, and they all end up in the same place at the same time. It's been. Really fun, so I'm writing that uh, with the the guy Jay who is really the producer of it and is my one of my great great students and my assistant. So the two of us are now putting it together and writing it and then we'll we'll film it hopefully the spring. So that's kind of producing you know.
1: It's just well, one of the questions I was going to ask you is a little bit further down the track, but I'll do it now. There's so much pressure on actors in this town. Don't wait for to get cast in something. You should create your own content.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I, I mean, and that's what I tell my students. I hope I told you. I mm-hmm. tell them that all the time that you yeah. you have to. You yeah. have to. It's a. It is. It 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 is a completely new world. It has changed so much since I came out here two hundred and fifty years ago, and um, it's like changing. Rapidly, just like technology, it's 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 exponential. So you know now, I mean, I I was in a little film. So I can you know I'll go on forever and ever. I was just in a little film. I went to a screening of it last night. Uh, 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 one of my students, who's uh, an amazing, he was in a Navy SEAL. He he's starting to take off Netflix series, all kinds of stuff because he's the real deal. But he did this little short film with a friend that was you know kind of a thriller. Um, uh, drama with lots of Navy SEAL stuff going on and all that. I played a nasty lawyer and I was expecting, they shot it in three days, three days. Okay. He and this buddy, they just put it together. It took them literally a month of producing or two months cast it, you know, cause they both were sidelined for a while. And they went, Oh, let's do something. I was like, okay. So they did it. I come in. And of course there's, there's this amazing shot from way up high it looks like a studio shot of the the bad guys' limos all in a line going down the road. You know Did that shot. Of course, it? they okay. used a drone. Yeah. But that, and it cost them nothing because it was their friend had a drone. In other words, now not only can you make it on your phone, you can have a drone shot in your film that cost you five thousand bucks. That's just, and you know, very soon and already green screen. Green screen. People are going to be able to green screen. Easier and easier and easier, and so special effects are going to become part of that very simple indie indie film. Point being, though, every, you can e- get on the bandwagon,
1: so everybody can do it. But what it's going to come down to, I mean, ultimately, what that brings us down to is talent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that what's
1: going to rise to the top is going to be the talent and the skill and one hopes and
0: yeah, I and mean, I think so. I mean, you know, and we're in this age of social media, as you know, this the 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 it's horrific for Hashtag me. Hashtag horrific. Hashtag <laughs> horrific, which is, you know, somebody comes to me and goes, oh, I, you know, I was, I was up for a role. And then it turns out that my Twitter feed, you know, was less than this other person. So they got the role. And I just think, oh, my God.
1: Yes. But, you know, the, the downside of that is that there have been um, numerous stories and, and reports that have come out on the fact that you can buy. Your, your Twitter followers. You yeah, can buy of course Instagram followers.
0: Sure. People know how to do that. They and, manipulate it.
1: And so what, in this particular story that I that I read, they discovered that um, the so, that, so the person had been cast and the producers had taken this off to a sponsorship and the network was very happy and so on, that this is how many people they're bringing. Um, did they care? that those millions of people did not translate to eyes on the screen when it was released? No. Did the advertisers or sponsors care that that wasn't translated into bought widgets? No. So it's just at that crucial decision-making time.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's... And and I think the truth will out. You know, I've had also numerous reports, as I'm sure you have too, or instances where... And I had a similar experience where it's, uh, we've got a an influencer who wants to do a film and he's got a million, you know, Instagram followers or a million Twitter followers. And so we're going to make a movie around him. And you think, okay, has he ever really acted as a principal? And no, no, but he makes these great, you but know,
1: Shirley Temple did it and she was fine. And she was he okay. Was three, she <laughs> couldn't even read. <laughs> <laughs>
0: she dance. Must be easy. But anyway, <laughs> So, you know, and of course they make the movie and they put in a lot of actors around the person to make it whatever. And, it bombs, you know, it's like, it's just terrible. And, and and that's not like the influencers and a wonderful person are meaning well, but, you know, I, I think that what we do does require some skill, some craft, some effort, some 10,000 hours put into it, I, I would hope.
1: But a lot of the stuff is also, stand here, there's your light, sure. say this. Absolutely. Here's a can of Coke because, you know, the lead actor's actually gone off set and is back in his trailer. Yes. So I'm just going <laughs> to have this here, here's your eyeline, right? Yeah, you know? absolutely. Oops. Okay, so let's... You started off studying science.
0: I did. So, in you another know, not future. carpentry
1: or plumbing. <laughs> no, your mother no, no, must no. have been thrilled.
0: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
1: So science, what what happened for you to turn to acting?
0: What, what did happen? I, you know, it was... Early seventies, probably ingesting too many foreign substances. Maybe um, it was. uh You know, I I I do still love science, and and it was for me from the time I was a, very, a little kid. And my father was this chemical engineer, and science was my passion. And I was starting to do theater in high school and stuff like that. But I never thought you could really make a living, or or it even had. Let's put it this way: in my family. It would be sort of like saying, oh, you know, so mom, dad, I've decided to become a prostitute. Oh, that's lovely, dear. You know, that was just not what you did. Run off
1: to the circus. Run off to the circus. Yeah. It's not serious. It's
0: not serious. Okay. It's not. And so um I did. I, go, I, I went and I studied whatever. You know, I want to say I studied physics and biology, but I minored in Wellesley College Women, which is what I would do on the weekends, go out and to Wellesley College, which was fantastic. But anyway, after a couple of years of doing a lot of theater while I was trying to be whatever I was trying to be, you know, like pre-med or something, you know, I mean, I was, I was, I love physics, I love biology, I love neurophysiology, and, uh, yeah, and, and I, I had a a wonderful teacher, director there, um, his name is, uh, A.R. Gurney Jr., he passed away, Pete Gurney, he wrote The Dining Room, and he wrote, um, Loving, which got to they did all over the place. That became quite big. Anyway, he's a fabulous writer, and uh, but he happened to be a professor at MIT. And he um, and one day, I mean, he I was in his office. He just directed me in some Shakespeare, you know. And I would do these plays and keep thinking, "Oh my God, I'm not studying. I'm doing these plays," but I couldn't stop. And he said, "James, you know, what are you doing? What do you what do you want to be?" And I said, "Well, I'm you know going to be a neurophysiologist." And he said, "No, you're not. You're an actor." And I was like really? And he said, yeah. And I thought, shit, he's right. I mean, you know, it just hit me and it was devastating in a way because I, I knew that I was going to break my parents' heart, which I did, uh, and that I was gonna have to leave school, which I did, and just kind of venture off and f- follow my bliss. So I did. And, I, and it's funny, it's, it's just also because, it's, I got to be really honest, I don't think, yes, I had some aptitude for science and math but being around the people who were off the charts brilliant you just kind of thought I'll never be able to compete I'll never and I, I didn't want to make a lifetime out of it so now now it's my pornography you know Scientific American next whatever you know that I love I love science as as a layman loves science you know? so
1: where other people have gone off to become doctors and they do amateur theatrics on the weekend right. you switch the <laughs> I sort of switched of the there. parameter 120 film and TV roles later. Well,
0: yeah, yeah. That's
1: extraordinary. I didn't know you were in Cocktail.
0: Well, no, most people don't either, believe me. You blink and I'm gone.
1: No, but you were, you know, Guy at Bar.
0: Guy at Bar. And
1: you were in Fatal
0: Attraction. Fatal Attraction. What was Which the- Risa cast, by the way. You're Risa Brayman cast that, so... Yeah, that was just because... So this
1: is Risa Bremen garcia Yeah,
0: who we both, this is how we met. So
1: this is how we met, um, casting director extraordinaire and also has a studio that's run on really interesting terms that allows you to focus on creating art instead of just thinking of yourself as I'm working because I'm going to an audition and then I stop. Yeah. And then I'm I'm going to another audition and then I stop. Yeah. So she says, you've got to create every day. You've got to write every day. You've got to meditate. Look after your mind. Look after your physicality. All of those fabulous things. All
0: those fabulous things. Yeah. <laughs> Which you wonder, but is it going to get me a job? You never well, know. Well,
1: maybe not, but I'm a better person. There you um, go. Well, or am I? I don't I'd have to doesn't ask matter. other people It doesn't about matter.
0: That. You know, you're you're you're... you're you're following your art. You're, so
1: so if she cast you in that, how long have you known her?
0: Hmm. Because she was a part of this theatre company, another theatre company that I was in, and then I became the artistic director of Out Here called Ensemble Studio Theatre. There's big... It was huge in New York. Now we have a, an L.A. arm of it, E-S-T-L-A. And... Um, so that recent... sounds,
1: sounds like something I should take after. Dinner. Yeah,
0: S L A. Yeah, Ensemble Studio Theatre, LA. It's a great company. There's some great companies out here. I mean, I'm always doing theater out here. But anyway, so we've known each other. I would have to say. Probably around thirty some years that's how long we've known each yeah. other. I mean you know you all grow up together you- you grow up in New York theater together, and everybody knows everybody, yeah, and a lot of them come out here as as we did um and uh anyway she she think i think I'm jealous. Well, I'm
1: jealous because I'm the 50 year old that walked into the dinner party and doesn't know anybody.
0: Um, yeah, but, but you know. know, but that's, that's, yes, I understand that. But then
1: I love that you have all of those relationships.
0: They're, they're amazing. I mean, they're, they're, uh, it, it. and, but even now we've, we're with this theater company. I say we, it's my wife and I, she's a playwright and she's also a fabulous actress. And she's also a wonderful director. Um so we, we've been involved with them now for 10 or 11 years. They're called IAMA, I-A-M-A, which is kind of a goofy title, IAMA Theater. But it's all NYU kids. They're, kid, they're kids. They're like in their 30s and 40s. They're kids. They're kids. They're my kids um we're two of the oldies uh sharon lawrence is I mean, sharon lawrence and my wife and i and uh, and uh tom amandis are the sharon
1: lawrence who was um dennis uh, france's
0: yes wife
1: on nypd blue you
0: got it right
1: i can't believe i pulled that rabbit out of a hat i i, it,
0: I wouldn't even remember but that's I, I extraordinary
1: should've... because don't ask me to remember where my keys are
0: hello hello but she was moments. amazing oh she's just a love we just did a reading together she's fantastic uh... so we have but the company it's i love the company out here I'm giving a shill for it but a reason i've been involved with so many companies and bankrupted several of them um but uh through directing or whatever and those will remain nameless but um what i love about this company it's it's got their head is in such the right place because they're all theater junkies but they're also very savvy about the business and um one of the artistic directors, Katie Lowe's, who's on Scandal, was on Scandal, Big Star, and she got to be very close to Shonda Rhimes. So now Shonda just gave us a huge, uh, wonderful um, you know, grant, and mm-hmm. she's kind of our patron saint. So instead of eschewing the industry, which we I I think I tended to do with my other companies, it was like, Ugh, you know, we're out here in LA, but let's just pretend there is no you know film and television and that's why we're here well of course it's why we're here that's why we moved to la mm. but this company somehow blends the two very well the savviness of it but also the 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 purity of the theater and new works i just directed a play for them uh we just directed the pasadena playhouse which is just one of my favorite experiences um and i'm so I'm, I, I i that's that's a place that's like a that's a community you know so
1: uh, you know the the, the... The thing that I found, I was approached um, for a role for a um, for a run. It was a four-week rehearsal, two-week run. And I was asked to block off that time. Very no hard. auditions. No. Yeah. I can't do that. No. I My mean, reps won't let me do that. Well,
0: that's why, like, for instance, Antaeus, another great, great, great company. Antaeus double casts everything. Right. So if you go see their plays, you you know, and that way there's always, and that's very smart. And we're thinking of doing something like that. That
1: sounds great. But I lost. Do you want my headshot?
0: Of course, I mean, yeah, I've got your headshot. <laughs> I, I know I've got it already. Um, I well, as a if, if we're talking to young actors, get involved with a the theater company. Yeah. There are so many great companies. There's there's you know. Um, uh, Circle X and there's Echo and Ensemble Studio and Iama and uh, Rogue Machine. They do great stuff. And Anteus. oh, Rogue
1: Machine do this. Um, they do this uh, storytelling thing yes. once a month on a Monday night. Yeah, um, and they've just moved down to Venice. I'm going to get into that.
0: I know they used to, they, They've moved around a bit. It's too bad they moved to Venice because that's too far away.
1: I know, and it's that thing in
0: yeah, yeah. But, but I'm um, saying there's so much stuff going on.
1: Well, look, it, but it's it's interesting with. Um, uh, you know, oh, my gosh, there's the kid from Harry Potter on Broadway. I'll go and see that. Right. Uh, I've always, not always, but I've thought that there's this uh, strange relationship. I don't know whether it's from the audience or or who has separated the two to make theatre a kind of poor man's cousin. And I was reading, not to the performers but I was reading Albert Finney's, mm. um, the oh. late Albert Finney, who died this week. Um, he
0: died this week? I didn't even know that.
1: Are, are you serious? Can- oh, my God. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: I saw him uh, in London. I saw him on stage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's one of my favorite, So favorite, wonderful.
1: Favorites. So you know what it's like. You start to see all these glorious obituaries come out.
0: Oh, my and God. And the
1: BBC, I think it was one of their channels or something, but the, but the transcript or the text of it was... Um, despite being on film and television, he continued on the stage. (laughs) And I actually cut that and prepped it into your, uh, copied it into your prep for today because I wanted to get your response to that. That despite
0: despite you
1: know you being um, the, the, the guy on, on uh, Beverly Hill's 90210 yeah. and 120 other uh, film and TV the, up till the, the like it still continues, you are engaged in the theater. When you see something like that, what do you think?
0: It's a little annoying, I suppose, but I, I understand it. Look,
1: <sighs> is theater snobby?
0: Theater can be very snobby in New York, particularly. What I love about here is it's kind of a brave new world because we've all moved out from New York. And, you know, there's only a couple of the big, there's, you know, which I've been very fortunate to work at the Geffen and and, and the Taper or the two kind of big theaters in town. They're yeah. the the legit theaters, as it were, you know. Do they uh,
1: actually pay for rent and things? What? They pay for rent. They, and they, yes. Yeah, yeah of like, course. God, I get so excited uh, about it. Yeah, <laughs> just
0: about. Um I mean, you don't make a you don't make a great deal of money doing it, but you at least can survive. You know, you but you couldn't make a living out here doing theater like you do in New York. In New York, that's what I did. You know, I basically somehow eked out a living doing off Broadway for four hundred a week or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was brutal, but you could do it. Here, there's no way because most a majority of the theaters are what we call I don't even know what they call it now the the ninety nine seat theater, the smaller theater. Um, where you're play, paid, I think, $15 a performance.
1: It's gone up. Last time I looked, it was 11 Wow. $15 a performance. Yeah,
0: that's what you got No,
1: paid. nothing for rehearsals. And we
0: and they're trying to take that away from people us. People in
1: their cars all around the world it, are actually pausing this, rewinding it, and going back. Yes, that's right, what we said.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what it, But this thing about not being available. So you have to be very facile because, yes, everybody's trying to get in on that series. So... I had an actor in the show that I just directed. It was um, called American Hero, and he's an, just a fabulous actor. And, I, and he was not at all what I thought I would cast the role in. His name is Rodney Toe, and he's a tremendous Filipino guy. He's just like changeable, wonderful, do any character, he teaches at USC. But of course, he got, he. got we knew he had gotten cast in something, but we didn't know when it was going to film, and he couldn't show up for opening night. So his understudy had to go on for opening night, which killed me because we had reviewers, you know, and I wanted them to see his performance because his performance was extraordinary. So yeah, your heart gets broken a lot.
1: That's the that's the town we live in. And
0: we we try, you know, when you do work at like yeah, if you work at the Geffen or the, or, or if you work at the Taper, of course you're making whatever you know the, the Lort thing that they give you, and so they they're brutal. I mean, they'll, they're because they know what they're up against. Um, I, I had been cast in a film. I was doing a play, a new play at the Geffen. And I thought, oh, God, it's this. It was all it, all it conflicted was the first day of the read-through. The first read-through. That was it. First read-through. And I said, look, I might have to miss a first read-through because I'm going to be filming out of town. I, this was a huge opportunity. I can't remember what the film was, but it was like, oh, my God, this is a great role. And they said, no. They said, if you if you, either you give it, give it up. you What know, did you do? I did the play. I had to. I mean, it was first of all, i had said yes to the play, but, and I love doing the play, and the playwright's an old friend, and, you know, somebody I knew. It was called The Escort. It was about a woman who was an escort. Very funny play. Very, very funny play. Take Fountain with Ella James.
1: Tell me about the performance where you naked chased hecklers from <laughs> the theater. Where did, did you I
0: dig that where up? did you're you saying, dig that i up. told you i you're do not a girl friend. and now they're going to want to have you know you want to want uh you know sex text no, no vision no we're not going to show off that um i was doing a version of Bertolt brecht's ball R- richard nelson who's a wonderful playwright i don't know if you know richard nelson he's been yeah. a big broadway playwright he did um uh, the Apple family was the, the, he did that Apple family. that was at the public. Right. That was huge. Phenomenal. So Richard had, it was just, he was just starting. I was back in 1979. So I still had a body of sorts. Um Oh,
1: that's, I've got to stop you. I mean, oh gosh, no. Without, anyway, just continue. We'll
0: go on. I'll, I'll let wrap that, you
1: across the knuckles later.
0: Please. Um Anyway, and I had hair too, which is kind of exciting. Uh, so I'm, I'm. We're doing this play called Ball in the 21st Century. So that was the title of it. It was an up, you know, whatever, a a, a modernization of sorts of ball. And I played ball. And um, at one scene, I get up out of bed and I was uh, stark naked. And I'd never been naked on stage. And I was terrified. I mean, I really was. I thought, oh, and this this was at the Williamstown Theater, which is up at Williamstown, Mass., fabulous summer theater. I mean, you know, Frank Langella's there every summer and, and and um, uh, yeah.
1: But I digress.
0: Uh, anyway, great people. Uh, Nico Saccharopoulos passed away, ran it. it was. And he's still. It's an amazing place to work. A lot of wonderful actors come up from New York. But we had this thing called The Second Company at that point. So I was still in school and I went up to do The Second Company. I got to play great roles. And so... It was in a smaller space. There was probably 200 people and it was like an old school and I didn't know what to expect. And the first night, and there was a lot of very conservative people up there, Williams, Massachusetts. And, you know, most of the, they did the classics and stuff. They did, you know, Tennessee Williams, blah, blah, blah. And so I get up out of bed, the cover comes off and there I am stark naked and I'm about to start the scene. And this elder gentleman sitting in the second row turns to his wife and goes this is disgusting we're getting out of here like full on you know audience is doesn't know whether to laugh or what I mean there's just this kind of held moment and I turn and I look at him and I thought well I have to deal with this so I walked down off the stage with stark raving naked, and I literally followed him up the aisle and out the audience and came back.
1: That's breaking the fourth wall (laughs) plus. It was,
0: yes. Well, I mean, I never, I I just, just like did this monologue as because I had a monologue that was, as I was getting dressed to the girlfriend. So I just did it to him as he was leaving. Yeah.
1: So it's memorable.
0: (laughs) It was memorable. It was, it was, it was one of the most fun Thing. I think I've ever had the balls, so to speak
1: <laughs> The naked
0: balls to do Anyway
1: I saw, now um, And it was the last time I was on stage Reese Witherspoon in the Johnny Cash movie Yes What was it called? Yes Yes And we'll I'm in a theatre in Sydney And behind me are an elderly couple Who spoke throughout the movie Oh God Along the lines of Him to her what did he say?
0: Yeah, of course.
1: And then she would say, "A burning ring of fire." <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and it went on. Oh
0: my god! It was, it was. What did you do? It
1: was classic. Oh, I was writing it down for use. Oh, for you were? Oh, of course. In a later, you,
0: you weren't turning around and telling them to shut up.
1: Yeah, I mean, you see, I, I write. Yes. Um. <laughs> yes.
0: No, which is great.
1: Um, and uh, and I collect dialogue. I overhear people genius, speaking. Genius.
0: That's so because wonderful. Because that is
1: how people are. That is that is how people are. Of if course. I sit down to write a fight yeah. and I start to he says she says he says she says that is not how people fight. No. And um I what we think we're going to do and what we actually do are two different things. I was outside. I was in a cafe the other day and a woman pulled up in her SUV and got out of the car with her dog inside and all the windows wound up, and started paying her meter. And, you know, if I was going to write a scene about that, and I wasn't thinking, then I would either have dialogue with me and the person I was having coffee with to bitch about it, or I would go and confront her, confront walking her, yeah, up to sure. her. But I did neither. I actually said very loudly, "Did you know that there are cars now that keep their air conditioning <laughs> on when you take the keys out?" And, of course, she heard this. It was very passive-aggressive, but she turned to me through the... It was an open balcony kind of thing. It was Jones on 3rd in Studio sure. City. Sure, yeah. And she said, um, do you think my dog will be all right? And I also didn't remain angry and go, no, change it, you know. Yeah. I I said, I don't think so, and I'd love to stay here and watch, but I can't. And <laughs> so she wound down the windows. So that's a bit of a boring story. But, I love but that what story. It, it's funny. about that... The things that we, the reactions that we have to people and the things that we really say, particularly in times of stress.
0: Well, you know, that's so much a part of any good training. I mean, and that's what I find. I mean, so now I'm going to talk about me, Um, but but in terms of (laughs) my (laughs) journey has been such an interesting journey because the Juilliard training was terrific, but there was a lot of voice and speech and doing a lot of Shakespeare and a lot of classic plays and all that, and it took a long time to let that kind of drip away from me, you know, mm. to stop having it be any kind of a focus. Mm. I mean, it's not like they, they, it's not like they taught that this is the whole thing, but it was, you were so filled four years of speech and voice and Alexander technique, you know, which was a critical, crucial so that your in, your quote unquote instrument, you know, was alive and responsive and could do all those things. But it, it did make for a bit of a stagey performance. And I remember, well, I remember actually that I was doing a play off-Broadway with, uh, I was, I was, was starring on a play with um, Morgan Fairchild, as a matter of fact, and uh, it was called Geniuses. And f- f- and, and we, we had the night off for some reason that we could go down and see another off-Broadway play. And uh, Steppenwolf is in town, you know, was, they'd already been there before I'd seen... Couple of their plays, they were you know they came from Chicago. They were the bees knees at that point. Oh, whenever yeah. they showed up, and there was John Malkovich and Gary Sinise doing um, True West, and I'd never seen that play. And I and I don't think I'd seen John on stage because I think I think um, Howell Baltimore. I'm, somebody correct me out there in the ethosphere. I don't think he was in that. But anyway, I think he directed it, but I don't think he was in it. I remember watching that performance. And I thought, I, can I use bad words? Mm. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I mean, I literally don't know what (coughs) the fuck I'm doing as an actor. You know what I mean? Here I am, Mm. been there doing this thing for years. And there was somebody who you had no idea what was going to happen next on stage.
1: Yeah, but you could watch him floss and be fascinated.
0: Because you don't know what he's going to do next. Is that what it is? And it is. And And in my training, I say to people, the only way for the audience not to know what's gonna happen next is for you not to know what's gonna happen next. Mm. You have to give up that plan in your head, like you're saying, because mm-hmm. it's never the way you think it is. You don't go in to have an argument with your mother. You know that's the last mm-hmm. thing you want to do. But that tumbles out because she says such and such, and that affects you a certain way. And then the next thing you know, you're off and running, mm-hmm. and you, and you have no idea that you're going to slap her. You you didn't plan to slap her. You slapped your mother. No, no. but um, you know. But I
1: know I know what you mean because the thing is, although you have those conversations with, I'm going to go in and tell her, and she's going to say this, and I'm going to say this, yeah. And she's there's that. But there is nothing that can prepare you for the actual arc of what happens. Of course. So I liken it to learning to drive a car Mm -hmm. where your teacher or your parent, whoever is teaching you, says you get in the car, you put on your belt, you adjust the mirrors, um, you make sure your seat is here and your wrists are here on the steering wheel and da-da-da-da-da. And then you uh, check your mirror again, select the gear and so on. And for the first time period that you're driving... You follow those things to the letter lest you get them wrong and it all goes to hell in a handbasket. But of course, that doesn't allow you for the experience of somebody whizzing past unexpectedly as you're pulling out. Right. And and that and so it is for the actor.
0: And that's a great a great analogy, yeah.
1: That until there is that unexpected
0: um, I'm just worried Because I don't think I ever did any of those things Before I got into a car But maybe I should Start thinking about it
1: My the, mother taught the, wait, me what To was drive that? backwards the For two weeks <laughs> oh I was not allowed To drive forwards Good mom Because she said If I Because she ran a like a paralegal business, uh, effectively delivering documents in the city. Oh, yeah. So So if I couldn't park the car with an inch at the front and back, I was of no use to anybody. Of course. And of all of the things that I have achieved in my life so far, thank heavens, my number one thing was when I reverse parked a Subaru Outback into a space that had been vacated by a smart car on a hill. And I got into this space literally with an inch, and I went one, two, three, and I was there. Right. And a taxi driver opposite got out of his car and gave me a slow
0: right. clap. <laughs> and, and you can see that on YouTube, by the way. They still have that video on there. It's one um, of oh it, it, millions of hits on that. So, but, there you, you go. know,
1: this is the learning process. And this is why the 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 teenager in the car who's done all the things right and then goes to pull out and a truck goes Noo! and honks at them right. that hurts their heart that takes away their confidence in the same way that an actor d- d- follows all the, the the steps and the, the every right bit the of training and, you know that. and until you get to the stage where you are just. Totally aware of, of your surroundings and can let go and just be in the moment. Yeah. Um. And and who who knows? I mean, you've been doing this. You said for two hundred and fifty years. That's my first. I've, that's not thing quite. That, yes, yeah, two hundred and ten. Yeah, so don't 210. well. Two hundred ten. So the thing is, when you go for an audition for a, a let's say film or TV.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's what there is. Yeah.
1: Um. So do do you have a process that where you just completely you let go you're cool with it now or do you still have the steps that you go through the
0: then- same same rigmarole for me for me and this may not be true this is how I like it for me I've I still have to go down through the same process and and, and I think and and this is an endless discussion with friends, actors. We're you know we're just always talking about this that that it never changes really the the panic, the um, the natural tendency to start thinking about your lines or going at it the wrong way as opposed to like no 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 slow down what's the story of the piece you know finding your way into the into the material in an organic way and in a, in a very thoughtful way, um, but and I often think-
1: your role is is. Bang, bang, you're dead.
0: Yeah. I mean, then that's even harder. That's even harder because you've got to create a whole set of circumstances that allow you to go bang, bang, you're dead, sort of throw it away, make it seem as just as simple as possible. And yet, if you don't know who you are in that moment, because they've given you nothing, it's really harder to do those three line things. Those are the hardest, I think. I mean, when you're given all that, given a long couple of scenes and some background and you're given the script, It's a lot easier to fill in what the story is, but I find that amazingly enough, it's still what I call the jujitsu of the psychological. It's the it's the warrior of getting yourself prepared psychologically, and that does involve obviously preparing. The, you know, doing the work on the text and doing the work mm-hmm. on the scene to the point where you feel like you know it well enough. But you still have to go down the same road. All it is is maybe that the road is more familiar. I mean, it gets more familiar to me. I know the road I'm going to go to, mm. through, down. And
1: but, you know where the parking spots
0: are. And I know where the parking sort <laughs> of are. But, but I do find that also when I do go down the road, and that's true with an audition or whatever a role you start going down this road in the forest and you look behind you and you can see right where you came from you see you know the clear sky and all that it's right behind you and you're like it's very familiar and then you actually invest some heart and soul in it you put your imagination to work you start to dare i say it fall in love with the material but even if it's crappy material you have to fall in love with it in some way by just putting the effort in by putting the time in and the and the concentration and all of a sudden, you realize you've taken a right turn in the forest. You're now going down a path that you didn't even know was there. And you look back over your shoulder, and you can't see the you can't see the opening anymore. You can't see from where you came from. In other words, you've now committed yourself, and you and there's no way you could have known what that path was without walking down the path, and then all of a sudden taking that right turn. So you don't know what you're going to find, and you don't. And every time, it's different. It's just that, yes, I can start the path a little you know, with, with a little bit more sense of like, I know what, I know what the beginning of the path is, but at the same time, the same time is if I ignore it or if I pretend, oh yeah, yeah, this is another, it's another dad role. I know what I got, it da, 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 I'll go into that audition and I'll fall flat on my, on my face mm. because I didn't really do the work and I don't feel like I have what I call the artistic arrogance, the authority to walk in because as a director, directing changed everything for me and teaching did too, but directing and observing, like, you know, following the director around, which I had to do a million times. So I've done it zillions of times where I start to finish fly on the wall, watching audition process, blah, blah, blah. And you watch your friends shoot themselves in the foot in the audition, like very experienced actors. You know, you start to say, wow, I do that. I do that all the time. And, because
1: auditioning's awful.
0: It's awful, but it's what we do. It's ninety percent of what we yeah. do is auditioning. It's like that's our job. Um, but I will say that w- when I'm in that room and I'm auditioning people, I just want somebody to have the confidence to come in, and in a sense, say, "Move aside, I'm the acting department." You don't have to worry about it. I've got it covered. Mm. So I can sit back and watch. I don't have to go, oh, goody, 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 you're so good. I don't have to approve of them. They're not looking for my approval. They're not looking to see whether they did it right or not or how can I adjust that or any of that. They're just saying, move aside. I know what it's like to fill in the blank, Mm. you know, lose a child, uh, get the nuclear codes, uh, you know, whatever it is, scrub Mm -hmm, the floors mm -hmm, in a, mm -hmm. whatever, Mm. live on an alien planet. You know, I know what it's like because I've lived it in my imagination. And, to get to that point for me as an actor requires going down this path and sort of, you know, falling in love with the material and finding your way into it. So all of a sudden you're on the inside of it, you're not the outside of it. You're not you're not talking about the character like, oh well he's this or he's that or I think I'm gonna do this. No, you're now you're so filled with what they are filled with. You're just ready to go in and do what's needed to be done. You've already done the beats, you've got the lines, sure, you've done all that work, you know the guideposts along the way of the scene but you throw that out and because you want to truly have an improvisation in front of these people and the only way to do that is to commit to what the character is committing to I mean it's it's acting one-on-one. I'm not saying anything that, yeah. you know, but it's, and it's, you know, yes, it's knowing your objective. I hate all the terms because it starts to get in my head. I'm like, what's my objective? What's my objective? What's my objective? And I'll write it out. Okay. What did
1: I have for breakfast?
0: Yeah. What did I have for You know, it's, it's organic. It's got to be in your heart and in, in your blood in your, in your viscera, you know, yeah. however that is for you, whatever that process is for you. I I can't tell you what that process is. I can give you a few tricks, you know. But the point being that I want you to. Wa- I want. I. I know that w- my best auditions. I come out. I don't give a rat's ass whether I get cast. I mean, yes, I want to know, but it's not about that anymore. It's mm-hmm. about. Ooh, I went in there and I was committed, and you can feel it in the room.
1: Do you have an attitude or response to the fact that you. You seem to live your life with a great amount of engagement and passion (laughs) I've been told do you did you set out to do that or does it just happen Mm. because that's who you are
0: wow that's a I've never been asked that you know it's great I mean I grew up with three sisters who are all crazy and passionate women and fabulous people and I'm close to all of them. I, I should say four. What am I talking about? I have a younger sister, but the three were Whoops. older. Well, <laughs> Megan's eight years younger. She, she's like Sorry, my contemporary. Megan. No, I adore Megan. And and we, there was a lot of nuttiness in our house, and a lot of passion, and um, and 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 I think you know a lot of it too was being around fabulous artists. I I I did things at school, and I was very fortunate at Juilliard because you know we had the the drama school, but we also had the music school, we had the dance school, we had the balancing school, right? I mean, you're on the elevator with Mikhail Borishnikov. I'm not kidding you. Three days a week, going off to and you'll find out that oh, Luciano Pavarotti is giving a master class to twenty of the top opera students, right? And of course, it's closed door only those students do not even think about going into the into the theater when they're there it's locked blah 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 so yours truly is like hmm Pavarotti masterclass. so I'd find my way backstage up the thing in the balcony and I'd sneak in and you'd watch this man give a master class and it makes me cry even to think about it he, he was extraordinary the commitment, the the artistry, the the commitment to excellence, the passion, and what he did, you know, and 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 we, we just we got to be around wonderful artists and, and Gilgood coming you, in, you know.
1: But you just identified something. You see, you you were brave. You were a risk taker. A bit, right? You were naughty.
0: A bit, Still and am. so
1: so you have that experience to fall back on. So, as you have matured and experienced a life, do you find that you still hold on to those same life skills of bravery and risk oh, it's funny.
0: I don't think of myself as brave. But I mean, I, 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 you know, bravery is simply closing your eyes and, you know, stepping off the cliff regardless of the fear that you have. There's I don't no,
1: think anyone brave actually does.
0: You know, I mean, brave, you know, I mean, I think it's I just say, its just say. living with a fear, which I still but have. But other
1: people would describe you as that?
0: I, I don't, you know, I'm flattered because I've never, but people do say a risk taker. You know, I left school, dropped out. You know, I mean, sure, I've done things where I've followed my heart. This is what I'll say about passion and all that, is that everybody's got we're all we're we're passionate human beings and we wouldn't even be doing this if something hadn't sparked us you know and there's passion there i think there's there's real joy and love of it and i think and i'm sure you feel the same way i mean i remember rounding 50 you know the big was a big birthday for me where all of a sudden i started realizing that i could take the gloves off and i could be as eccentric as i damn well wanted to be and i started to become so much more my authentic self Mm. And you know, and it takes a long time. Exactly. You know, I remember Gilgood came to to speak to us, and it was phenomenal. You know, and he was talking about what a you know we'd say he'd say, people would talk about choosing roles. I know we got to go. No, no, no. And 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 he would say, well. Um, I never chose roles. I just did everything. You see, I was a whore, and we're like, really? You know, but he was. He said, you know, I did everything, and he said something about the, you know, as as many actors have always said, you know, it takes oh, it takes thirty years to become an actor, and you, you know, you're about to graduate from school, and you're thinking, fuck you, John good. <laughs> I'm gonna go out there, and I'm gonna be a rock star, you know, I'm gonna do it now, you know, I'm twenty, I can't wait thirty fucking That's years, right. and of course, thirty years later, forty years later, you're like. Uh, he was right it takes 30 years you know but in some ways when i think about it i th- i think that it's just it's a stripping away to the passion it's like all that stuff of looking it's over the, my shoulder and thinking like oh do, am i fitting him am i doing the right thing until you finally get to the point and you go no you're not doing the right thing but you know do do it fully do you, do you and that's all you got is you
1: yeah it's like it's zero facts 50 you know, where you really you reach that stage where it's it's not it's not that important no. what other people think. It's, a, it's it becomes less what, and less what you do.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah.
1: you're remarkable, and I'm so appreciative. Oh, I'm of your this is time. so much
0: fun. Yeah, and I have so and you know, and I get to have you in class on Monday, right? Yes,
1: I know. I'm oh, very excited. We're
0: gonna start off with some some. Deep stuff. You oh know. really? Yeah.
1: Oh gosh.
0: I'm going to say this doesn't have to be on the record, but I'm. You know, the other thing I've been realizing as a teacher, and this this is tough. This is all going to air. Is this town is filled with teachers, some great, great teachers, who break down a script for you and they get you to you know say that line just the right way and all that. And I get that. That's 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 wonderful. But can there be a space in your life? Where you can close the door to all of the demands and close the door to the, am I going to book? Am I, am I going to be a star? Am I going to have a career? And how do I deal with casting agents? And all that stuff, all that stuff that's just weighing in on you. And am I good? Am I not good? Am I good? Am I not good? And literally, fuck the judgment. Put that away. And have a little laboratory where you can start going down a road And really meeting yourself with no strings attached, Mm. meeting yourself, finding out where do you live? Where's my, where does the buck stop? Where do I, where does my dander go up? Where do I feel self-righteous? What is it like for me to say, no, motherfucker, you cannot have the nuclear codes Mm. and know what that's like, but it's not nuclear. You know, it's no, maybe mom, dad, whatever that is Mm. in your psychology. Can you find a place? Where you get to experience that and you're not asking, oh, how does that translate to my work and let that go and then watch what happens? Because if you do that work, that deep work with no strings attached, which is so hard because people like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But how does that, how does that deal? What does that have to do with acting? You know, get your dirty little hands off of it for a little bit and sure enough, yeah, maybe not next week maybe not even in six months, but I cannot tell you the number of times I've got letters from people. I mean, I'm not just tooting my own horn. Hmm. Two years go by. I haven't heard from them. Dear James, I just wasn't at an audition and everything that you did in that class just came into focus. Absolutely. I get it now, you know? so it's.
1: And I, I said to somebody the other day, because I did a, a master class with you and now I'm going to start training with you again. And they said, why? And I said, if I had seen James five years ago... I don't think it would have been such an experience but it was two people at exactly the right time for me yeah where I could go ah
0: yeah yeah
1: and something clicked and and that's and that's what it is and you know I talk about this as, this isn't just a podcast for actors because this kind of release yourself and do what you're born to do is for nurses and teachers and architects and it's for anybody yeah because it it really is that do your groundwork you can't do it without knowing stuff you've got to read the manual
0: it helps yeah and
1: then you've got to make it work for you
0: yeah right yeah yeah
1: this has been fantastic it's wonderful thank you james so much
0: fun thank you ella (laughs) all right all right i can't wait to hear this oh right well i'll send you a link well fantastic maybe i'll put it on my can i put it on my website of course you can oh great yeah yeah i mean i haven't built a website yet but i'm going to
1: (laughs) my wife tells me 10 years ago can build anything yeah
0: yeah that one thing yeah don't even go there i'm the worst i mean part of you know part of who i am too is i'm just not people come to me through word of mouth or they know me and i like that you know what i mean it's like because i look on these things and it's like so and so teacher to the stars and look at all their you know testimonials and as if I'm looking for a teacher, which I was at many times, you know, yeah. I couldn't stand that. I was like, if, that's, if they're showing me all that stuff, I don't trust it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wanted to find... But the two Meisner teachers I had, I just found through friends. I didn't found through websites or Yelp or any of that because I didn't really have it then. You found and, it through Yelp. I found uh, it through Yelp. You yeah, found and, I found, and, I, and they were great teachers because they just relied on having taught for a long time and people loved them, and they had a lot <laughs> to give, you know. Now I, you know, I'm not. I, I so I'm building my practice slowly, as I know. But it's it is very much for word of mouth, you know.
1: Well, I've just told everyone.
0: you've been listening to Take Fountain with Ella James for more like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter you can subscribe to the podcast at iTunes or your favourite podcasting app this has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com